0: This is the Reluctant Leader podcast, the podcast designed to help you if you've landed a leadership role through no fault of your own and now need to find out what you should be doing. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and have been there and know what it feels like and made all the mistakes. In each episode, I'll be getting grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. You'll find out why they do what they do and take away some top tips you can use to become a more confident leader. For more content and to keep in touch with how the project is developing, go to www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. If you have any comments about the episode, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. So let's crack on with the show. Today I'm talking to Nick Elston. Nick has used his life experiences and adversities to forge a powerful, emotional and brutally honest heartfelt yet funny message which he delivers globally in his signature keynote seminar talking anxiety nick is an international inspirational speaker on anxiety mental health and adversity as well as the founder of 14 people a new breed of people development i hope you enjoy this chat we had all about anxiety and i'll catch you all on the other side Nick, welcome to the Reluctant Leader
1: podcast. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you for having me on.
0: I can remember the first time I met you was at a networking meeting and you were speaking, I believe, uh, telling your story. And I can remember driving away thinking, my goodness, I wasn't expecting that from a networking event. Uh, You really (laughs) did, you know, you you really... um, you know, was the honesty, and you know the way you you portrayed what you've been through was um, yeah. quite quite. Or, or it's always stuck with me, really, and it's, it's something that um, I think you've, obviously you've, you you. Uh, it's part of your trademark. You obviously, you know, you're very uh, honest and um, say it as it is. So before we get stuck into the the topic today, which is anxiety, the first mm-hmm. question I always ask to all the uh, my guests is. Why do you do what you do? And what was the pivotal moment that took you down this path?
1: <laughs> well, I had a breakdown. <laughs> I would recommend everybody go to that level of uh, extremity before they make a life decision, but um but, but that's the truth. Um I had uh, I had childhood kind of uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um so I'm I'm 41 now. So kind of back in the day the, the treatment, <laughs> he says with the fingers inverted. Um for OCD was kind of like seven weeks counselling and I come out slightly more messed up than when I went in um, because what it dealt, it dealt with the obsession and the compulsion but the awareness and the ability just wasn't there to to kind of really work on it maybe the, the way they would now and I don't think now is, is kind of perfect. But it's definitely got a lot better. What it left me with was something called Generalised Anxiety Disorder or GAD which is actually really common uh, but less commonly known. So it's kind of the the daily catastrophization of events or um, the the kind of daily assumptions of negative outcomes, which, um, which interestingly, and the thing I don't really talk about actually could be a real, uh, a real draining experience, definitely, but heightened anxiety in general can really keep you on your toes and make you highly perform in education, in business because you just don't let things drop. Um, And I think, it's no surprise now that the work that I do, I work with um, industries that are very high pressure, fast-paced because we're, kind of, we're in that mindset. They're in that mindset of actually doing that. They don't actually stop um, definitely to recover, but they don't just stop. They just kind of keep on going. And that can only go for so long. So kind of fast-forward a little while uh, to about six years ago now that I wasn't addressing these things. I was keeping basically the engine running on high, um, interestingly, though, to anyone outward, um, I was happy and confident and everything else. And, and there were moments of that as well. But as I said, the thing that they don't talk about, it does make you highly perform. Also, it's, it's, it's actually more uncomfortable to address things. So actually, there's a comfort zone within things like anxiety as well. Um, but I didn't address these things. Um, I, was, I was doing that thing about wearing masks. So I was trying to be what people want to see in me. I was trying to be what situations demanded of me. But actually, none of those were, were me. Um, so actually, the person that I was at home was different than the person in my family. And it was different with the friends and different in networking or business. Because I was trying to be everything to everyone. Uh, because I was just too damn scared of actually showing my true self and actually sharing my own opinion. Um, and because I didn't address those things, um, I actually left a networking meeting, the same network as you referred to just now for networking. And, um, I, I had a breakdown, I sat in the car and I just cried and I just didn't know kind of where to go. I was just kind of really tired and frustrated and I lacked a lot of hope about actually breaking the cycle of anxiety, especially from the generalized anxiety uh, element because it's basically kind of anxious every day about everything. So even something as simple as kind of I text my mum and say, "Hey, mum, how are you?" She doesn't reply. I go straight away to she's dead, she's had an accident, or we've fallen out. And actually, the truth was she was in the supermarket and <laughs> never heard a phone go off. But if and I use that example when I speak because it sounds comical, but actually, if you're given the level of adrenaline, anxiety, and stress to those small things when i worked in sales and account management and things and when you're actually doing that for every transaction in your day it's huge and tiring um so so that was the pivotal moment actually but turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to me is a real sliding doors moment that i just decided to it's funny when you feel you've got nothing to lose you'll try anything and and that was my moment where i actually decided to Funny enough, I'm a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> so I was watching Harry Potter. It was like the dog in the cupboard. It was just, It's the thing that you kept in for so long. Actually, for once, I wasn't scared of letting it out. So it was literally two weeks later, I spoke at the same networking meeting about my experiences and people that had known me for years, people that I consider close friends, were seeing me for the first time kind of with no holds barred. Um, mm-hmm. That's really my my pivotal moment and i'm sure we're going to cover kind of where it went from from there on in Mm. um but that that was the moment where i decided to stand up and and i felt i had nothing to lose but interestingly all those kind of assumptions we make that if we if we kind of share our true selves if we speak up about things that are considered taboo or stigmas then people are going to disown you people are not going to like you and actually the, the truth was just the opposite the truth was everybody in that meeting Lined up afterwards to share their experiences or insights, and um, or to to offer their support, or to, to kind of agree and, and to kind of resonate with what I said, uh, or or just give me a hug. As you know, mate, I love hugs, so, <laughs> so I'm never going to turn down a few for <laughs> Um So it's for me that was that was the, the, the kind of pivotal moment. So for me, it felt kind of kind of forced on me that actually that was that was the only way for me to go. That was my pivotal moment.
0: Mm. And, I, and the reason why we're talking is that, you know, I, I've run a retail business for a long time and I, I can't say that I've I had the, um, the symptoms that you had to, to that degree, but there were times when, you know, the anxiety was almost, you know, almost like I was frozen by it and, oh definitely. Uh, and, you know, and I'm sure people listening to this will, you know, have that feeling at, at times that, you know, they're gripped by it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they are. And then also, you can't forget that anxiety is a healthy thing. It's a really healthy response because it's your brain telling yourself there's a perceived danger, be careful, be, be be warned. So you need that. It's The problem is when it gets out of control or we, we fall into that trap of assuming the worst-case outcome for any given situation. And I guarantee we do. We're full of human flaws. And actually, the one of the biggest ones is actually if I gave you a 50% chance of being... Having a positive outcome and a 50% chance of having a negative outcome, you're guaranteed you're going to think you're going to end up with a negative outcome. But the truth is you, you've got 50-50 chance that's it. Yeah. But we assume the worst case of scenarios. And I think no no more so than in business. And I think um, as I said, my background was sales and account management and things when I was in, in the kind of corporate world. Mm-hmm. And and obviously that's if you think about the thought processes around sales and getting business for any business owner or any kind of retail operation, whatever that might be, your focus is, oh, I've not heard from that customer in a while, or oh, my, my figures are down, my footfalls falls down, and, uh, lots of different things. But you start to make bad decisions when you're in that position of fear. So it's not necessarily what anxiety is. It's more so what it does. Mm. It's how it affects your decisions you make. How, how it affects the opportunities you go for and don't go for and even mm. right down to your personal life how it affects the relationships you choose and the relationships you choose to stay in but we never question these things because actually it's easier not to
0: yeah yeah and i'm just going to pick up something you, you said about um outwardly Everyone, in, look, you know, you look fine and everything seemed, you know, A-OK, a- okay, but, you mm. know, inwardly, you know, you're fighting that turmoil all the mm. time. And like you say, we can do that for a short amount of time, but when it goes on constantly day after day, week after week, then that's yeah. only going to have a negative effect on, uh, you know, our, our performance, how we feel, you know, and ultimately our health. That's the most
1: important you know, Exactly, healthy. and it's, I mean, obviously, mental health and physical health so closely linked. Mm-hmm. um uh, and as you alluded so i'm a very kind of honest person and uh me and you have a chat before we came on but actually at the moment that if my if my stress levels are are higher or if i've had a busy time and it has been busy recently and maybe i'm more tired than usual then i that has an effect on my skin mm-hmm. so it's interesting that it has a direct outcome in your physicality and actually your energy and, and sometimes if you think you're feeling lethargic and things you, you question physical challenges but it's not necessarily it could be a mental challenge that you're going through but you just don't think of it like that but Mm -hmm. we are kind of we are one um and it's interesting what you say but people people essentially just want to be heard and understood so i kind of see i mean now i see my role as, as kind of facilitating that by me standing up to lots of different kind of audiences by sharing everything i've got including like right now, the things that are going on right now, because as I said, this is not a hallelujah, I'm cured kind of thing. This is someone who manages stuff. But I know my playbook, and that's what I do now. I help people to build their playbook to kind of come back when you're not feeling great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. I'll open up about anxiety, and then audience uh, it kind of follows the same pattern that people are still scared of asking open questions, especially to kind of corporate audiences I work with. However, I'll always stand on one to one, and every people will open up about PTSD, sexual abuse, domestic abuse, um, depression. It's not anxiety, but what people that people now feel safe for them to speak. And for me, that's that's what I'm doing: is providing people the space for them to share their stuff. Um, And for me, it was a selfish thing. That that moment where I decided to stand up and speak, it literally was cheap therapy. Firstly, because I couldn't afford therapy, (laughs) but secondly, because it gave me that kind of safe space and i say safe because i kind of it's a community that is very kind of welcoming to non-business type talks um but it was a selfish thing and i encourage everybody to be selfish because you owe it to yourself no one's going to do that for you no one's going to have that decided moment where you need to kind of take control um but the dynamic soon changes when you start to hear how it helps other people so the same message that was helping me, and even now it's therapy space for me. And I kind of joke when I'm on stage, whatever audience is in front of, that this is still my therapy. Welcome to my open therapy session. <laughs> um, but people like people like that kind of that genuine approach to stuff. And, and it's not kind of contrived or false. It's true. I use that as therapy space still. And the dynamic for me changed when it started to help other people.
0: Mm. And I, I think um, any coach or what in that in this, um, people helping arena, we're all helping people. But at the same time, we're actually learning stuff. Uh, and as we go along, we're hopefully you know helping ourselves as well. Is you, know, you say it's not just a one-way thing. Uh, I think people get that the wrong impression. You know, I, I learn lots, and one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is that for everybody I, I speak to, I you know there's something I'm learning. You know, and I'm mm-hmm. motivated. Motivated that way, I, I want to learn, and you know these podcasts are yes, for therefore, um the audience, but they're also for me because I I, yeah, I, I learn something from every single one of them, you know. And I think
1: exactly. Yeah. I think if you take that approach into into anything mm. uh, in in life, in business, in, in personal development, whatever that might be, you'll learn that something every day. But the interesting mm. thing is when you start to align align kind of uh, your goals with your mindset, which I'm sure I'm going to touch on a little bit. That's where, where different opportunities present themselves. Um, I kind of play around with this. I mean, people call it different things, um, whether they're religious or spiritual or, or whatever that might be. Um, one of the buzzwords that's law of attraction, that kind of thing. Um, whatever that you label that, there is, there's both scientific proof that that kind of stuff works. It's called the reticular activated mechanism. If you start to align a positive mindset with some clear, goals or design outcomes and every day you 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 make those small incremental changes to move towards where you want to be different opportunities will present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and the example I always use is this is so for example if I wanted one of the Porsche look I'm not expecting a Porsche to drop out the slide no matter how much <laughs> I believe in all the directions but you'll start to notice things either can push you towards that or or actually will will remind you of what you're trying to achieve. That's why things like uh, vision boards, uh, kind of targets, and, and that kind of stuff, are powerful because you, it's reminders of of things. But the example I use is sometimes you're in situations you don't want to be, but you need to do them to get to where you want to be. So when I first went self-employed uh, when I, a few years ago now, um, the, the truth was, as much as I wanted to be self-employed as a speaker and I, and other kind of business plans as well, that that wasn't going to pay the mortgage. The desire. <laughs> to be a speaker professionally was not going to pay the mortgage, but I found myself in a situation where I was—I um, just left employment, um, and because it, it didn't feel the right place for me right then. Um, so again, my kind of my morals uh, got in the way of my sensibility on that front, unfortunately. <laughs> so I took a I took a home delivery job with Tesco. Now um, that was thirty-six hours a week I was doing evenings and weekends predominantly around launching my own business as well it wasn't ideal but the difference is it's the mindset and the opportunities element of that is what you how you react in those situations and how you act so what I was doing I was taking in all of my kind of business experience my personal ethics and, and just I like chatting to people generally so when I was delivering groceries to people all over the southwest I wasn't like throwing their goods down thinking I'm not a Tesco driver and walking back off again and then just I'm just doing this what I did was I talked to people I found out what they did um, I made sure I told them what I did that um, in terms of the speaking stuff and I work around mental health and anxiety and this kind sort of different things. And the fact was I actually got three paid gigs off of delivering to houses and lawyers um, opportunities that are always there but if I never would have taken the right mindset into that I would never would have found them. When I was in the canteen at lunchtime, I found they had an internal magazine for all the staff. So I wrote off and submitted an article to an internal magazine. They run it on a mental health theme. Um, and then due to the success of that and the feedback that they had from the, the staff on that, they run it on their nationwide public magazine, which went out all over the place. Um, and I got so much engagement from people on that article. But that wouldn't have happened if I didn't take a proactive approach in a situation where I didn't want to be, really. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think it's a case of sometimes in life, if there's something that's worth fighting for, then you've you've got to give it all you've got. But the caveat to that, and there always is, there's always got to be a sacrifice. If you're putting a lot in one end, there's got to be a sacrifice. And sacrifice was, I ran the risk of letting my own mental health decline again because I was just working so hard. So doing it for the right reasons, best of intentions. And, and again, with that theme that I was doing this to provide kind of my little family um, some like a good, a good, a good living to be able to do things when we want to do it, have a lot more freedom. Um, but at the time, I wasn't home. So actually, after kind of a year of doing this, I actually made, again, a moral call to leave, even though potentially I could have done with a little bit more time in terms of money-wise at the time. But I knew that if I pushed it any further, I would risk my family life. And that's just what wasn't worth risking. Mm. So again, it's it's an important thing to consider from a, I guess, from a business journey kind of point of things so that whatever you do, it, do it with the best of intentions, do it with, with the right mentality and actually opportunities will present themselves that are always going to be there. Again, it's not a pop out the sky thing, but you just got to dig them out and you just got to find them and that's for them. But be careful what you're sacrificing to achieve that. Because sometimes what we're fighting for is exactly what you're going to lose if you carry on.
0: And that's a fantastic um, thing to remember in, in any situation. Um, and I knew this this was going to be a, you know a, 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 a thought provoking half an hour, but already you've got me you know got me in this place where you know it's so relevant, and every, I'm sure everyone's already thinking, "My God, that is such an important lesson." That you know what it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just look for the opportunities, do the best you can, and who yeah. knows what might come out of it. But yeah. bearing in mind what the ultimate goal you want and 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 why you're doing it, and that's right. so this and this, you know, this day and age that is, we all get wrapped up in fast, quick actions that we want outcomes to happen <laughs> overnight, you know. But you know. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey because that's just as important as actually when you get there because once you get there, you think, okay, well, well I'm here now. What next? Whereas if you've enjoyed the journey then uh, and made the most yep. of it, then it's going to be you know, far better long-term. So.
1: Exactly. And also to, to check your intentions, why are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. So to ask yourself these kind of questions. For a long time, I thought I wanted to run uh, a factory that had machines and it made widgets best widgets you've ever seen but it made widgets (laughs) Uh, lots of kind of factory workers it had uh, offices with mahogany walls mahogany desks and lots of different things and that was my dream and it was interesting that actually it was only when i became stronger i started to question why am i chasing this and the answer was that the family business went bust back in the day and guess what it was a factory that had Workers and widgets and mahogany desks, mahogany walls. So I was actually chasing somebody else's dream. That wasn't me, but we do that. We pick up other people's kind of agendas, and sometimes so it's a lot of the time with the best of intentions. So I I, I suddenly found I had this kind of medieval crusade to try and correct (laughs) like the family name or something. But actually, it wasn't what I wanted. And we do that. We we spend a lot of time chasing things that we don't actually question why we're doing it. I just find that fascinating that we don't have time for those conversations with ourselves because you could save a lot of time now if you're, if you're running around kind of doing the do and firefighting as we do, but never stopping to reflect and you kind of lose the why and, and the why is the most important part of any journey.
0: Absolutely, um, I'm just conscious that we haven't mentioned anxiety as the topic. I'd really introduce the topic as anxiety, <laughs> and, and people will know what it is because obviously it'll be at the um, in the in the show notes. But uh, yeah. if we go back to what anxiety is, and maybe just um, uh, what what were the things you mentioned? A few things that you noticed and the yeah. symptoms that that you were seeing, and what commonly are are, are associated with that anxiety and that that uh, feeling of anxiety.
1: So I guess my take on things, somebody somebody asked me to define kind of what anxiety means to me or what anxiety is to me. And for me, it was quite simple. It's, it's the fear of the future or regret from the past. Those were the two biggest triggers for me. Um, and then it was only when I started to kind of learn more and, and to kind of speak to other people that it's completely unique to each person. Yeah, the one thing that we have the problem with is perspective. So, in terms of anxiety, that there could be there could be something that that happens which could completely blindside one person, but then the same thing will happen to somebody else, and they'll take it all in their stride. And I find that fascinating. So, for me, anxiety is actually it's a very personal kind of um, a personal kind of thing. Um, so, in terms of it's when you feel uh, the stress the kind of pressure, the physical things, obviously you've got the, the kind of the tight gut, you've got the heart racing, you've got the sweats. you've got all those kind of things. Or maybe you feel you're constantly in that kind of fight or flight state, that you're all constantly on the defensive. That was a big one for me, um, constantly defensive. And, and even listening to your narrative. I mean, I know me and you've had this conversation before, but in terms of narrative, the narrative that you use to yourself completely kind of defines who you are and how you act. Um, so having that kind of conversation with yourself and how you talk to yourself is really important because as I said, I've known people that have been through some truly horrendous things, like horrible things, but have actually used that to forge something that's really, really exciting. They wouldn't have done without that event happening. Not that they would wish for it to happen again, but what they've done is they've let it inspire them rather than define them. Um, and, and, the problem with perspective is we do that. We look at people and say, well, who might get anxious about this when they've got this going on? When actually if something causes you pain or frustration or whatever that might be to you, you have every right to kind of sort it out. I think, well, maybe it's a UK thing, but we're, we're really hesitant to kind of stand up for ourselves sometimes. Uh, or we compare our lot and we kind of maintain the stiff the stiff upper lip. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of anxiety, it's when you constantly feel on the defensive for me. But as I said, it's a very personal experience. It's different for everybody, and it's it's, it's a very much kind of spectrum thing, the the where you are on that. And as I said, because anxiety is a is a healthy thing as well, it's also important to recognise that too. I think it's when you find yourself in, in that position of fear, uh, whether that be in in business. And we've all had those kind of awkward conversations with. Maybe your your clients or your maybe your partner, maybe your bank manager, where you feel that kind of anxiety and those physical things like the heart rate and that kind of stuff. You feel that, um, but for me, it's just having that conversation with yourself. It's it's kind of checking in on yourself, and I think people know when they when they're kind of out of sync. If you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and and I was. It, it's funny, isn't it? How you've you've. Um... Use that like you've mentioned but others have your adversity and you've used that as a as a positive thing to push you into a direction where you really want to make a difference and I think if if, if you tell the story that this guy was uh, was um, suffering with anxiety and then he started speaking in front of um, larger and larger audiences people would think yeah, you know, he's, he's just completely lost it <laughs> but uh, uh but actually like you've explained already that it's it's part yes. of your therapy and it helps you in some way and we're not expecting everybody to go out and start speaking in front of people when they're feeling anxious
1: but that was your no. way of dealing with it it, it was I, I personally think that that speaking or at least sharing is is the best therapy and also, I'm not. I think that there's a space for every every therapy, every medication comes to that. I'm not a, a kind of a medication hater. I think you you're kind of a needs must kind of thing. Uh, and and again, I only speak from experience, and it's important to say that as well. But for me, speaking was powerful, and that's what I do to help other people now. So one of the exercises that I run through with either one of my academy sessions or one to one is I get people to write down their adversity, their story, and and of course, everybody always writes it from a a personal perspective in terms of first-person kind of thing um, then I get into kind of rewrite it from an audience perspective so what would people gain from listening to your experiences and that that kind of dynamic shift of looking at your life from a third-person perspective is fascinating because it changes things because we also don't recognize every kind of triumph we've had, every success we've had, but we quite easily beat ourselves up about every little mistake. And that kind of process of speaking and sharing, I think you find community. Um, I think you find, um, because you help other people, there's definitely kind of a, a real kind of karma kick on that as well. This is the biggest buzz ever. Even if I speak to a room of about 2,000 people, if I help one person, it's a huge, huge rush because you know that you've, you've changed somebody else's life for the better. And they'll go on and do the same as well. But even if people are, are scared of speaking, um, and I get that is uh, again, in a Harvard study, public speaking is a bigger fear than death. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, but I get that. I get that. But for me, it's because I felt I had nothing to lose. So it's kind of like a, a last chance saloon thing without getting too dark about that it was kind of it was was something that was going to consume me I had to let it out and for me letting it out seemed a better option at the time I'm glad I did um but the in terms of sharing you could also anonymously blog there's so many platforms now you can podcast um about challenges and, and form a community and but I think the process of just getting it out of you out of your head and into the world it's extremely therapeutic it's something I use uh, as a, a kind of a speaking technique as well. It's called disarming truth. The, there was an event in London um, a few months ago, a uh, huge law firm, and the train was late. The first Uber broke down. The second Uber lost his way. I mean, go figure. It's a taxi driver. You know me not mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I got to the event with no time to chill out at all, no time to kind of get ready or prep or get water. I wait, basically went up in front of 500 professional uh, legal people, and um not in a good state if you see what i mean So i was kind of like in that flight state for me disarming truth is this that's the first thing i told them that's what i opened with have you ever had one of those days where the trains broke down or the uber broke down where the uber got lost and then i actually opened so what i was doing i was telling them exactly what was going on right now in my head and as soon as i said that not only did their kind of arms drop because again sometimes you've got to win people over especially in very old environment um and they knew they were going to get a very genuine experience from listening to me talk but also got it out of my head and onto them so again that process of getting things out of your head is powerful hmm
0: no, I, and, and I've just written down honesty there. And, and it's weird how things keep coming back to you. I, one of the first things as, as you do, you switch on your social media. And I watched a video of a guy talking about being honest in a in a job interview. Um, but, you know, when it, if you are being honest, it, it makes so much difference in that you feel better about it. And also people pick up that you're just being honest. This is me. I'm not hiding anything here. You know, take me for what I am. Isn't that such yep. a better place to come from? Good, Absolutely. You know. yeah, Massively. Yeah, and when you talk about, you know, the people's fear of public speaking, I think that's a fear that people have to put something on that's not them um, and think, oh, I've got to try and be something that I'm, you know, like somebody else that speaks. But actually, oh, think, actually, when I stand up and do my thing, I'm <laughs> me and I'm doing it my way.
1: Yeah, and um, that is, for me, that's the biggest objection, Where especially from kind of coaching people to speak. That's the biggest objection because... People say, oh, I don't want to be like a, a rah-rah merchant or, or like a, a kind of a Tony Robbins type speaker. I think, by the way, I, on the off chance he's listening to this, I love Tony <laughs> Robbins. But um, but not everyone has to be a big kind of booming rah-rah kind of speaker. And I think that's the assumption. If you think kind of motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, professional speaker, that's kind of what you think. The, for me, it comes down to um, people remember how you make them feel. But they don't necessarily remember what you say. So, based on that, I leave with emotion. I leave with authenticity and vulnerability because actually I want them to feel that like, because that's what I'm talking about. So, when we talk about kind of what anxiety is, really I want them to feel what anxiety is as part of my story, as part of my event. But of course, then bring them up through that and how you can come away from that point. Mm. So, it's an interesting one. And I, I mean, we both know. Speakers who are very, very quietly spoken, but command a room with absolute silence. We, you don't have to be that kind of big, shouty kind of version. But again, I think that's what anxiety does. It limits what you what you go for. It limits your opportunities. So you may want to try your hand at speaking, but you get so anxious. I mean, one guy I was working with recently at the start of the day, he couldn't even say kind of uh, his name and where he was from without really tripping up. And then by the end of the day, because of the platform that he'd had, he started to like I had to bail him out. He was talking too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think everyone's got everyone wants to be, regardless of what people kind of say, I think people want to be heard, they want to be understood. And I think that if you cannot deliver, and this works at home as well, it works in, in your personal lives, in your social circles, if you if you cannot convey your own message, whatever that might be, without power, clarity and emotion, you will be, um, that will have a direct impact on your definition of success. And it's important it's your definition of success Mm. because you need to be heard. And if you're not, obviously you're living a life on somebody else's terms. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I'm I'm conscious of time, but before we sort of wrap up with your top tips, um, I I think you should tell us a bit more about your forging people, um, um, what concept, whatever it is yes. that um, you. you've just started, I noticed. Yes. Um, I, yeah. tell, tell us what, what, what that's about, what's what's the inspiration behind that?
1: So again, in, in a term, disarming truth kind of way, um, the reason The Fortune People came about was because um, mentally I couldn't speak more than three times a week. For me to speak uh, and deliver my message with that emotion, I need to reconnect with that moment that I was in when I was struggling. And, I think that's important. I don't want to lose that because I want people to feel, as I said. So the problem is that I can only do it three times a week without it negatively impacting my mental health. I'm very self-aware nowadays. So commercially, it's flawed. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as I'm looking after myself, commercially, it's flawed. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to build something which was based on my kind of morals and principles and ethics, that carried my kind of tone and vibe, but helped other people. So that's where forging people came from. Forging people came from the line I use in my talk, that you use adversity to forge something exciting. And basically, it's a new breed of people development. So I work with people to help them uh, speak uh, publicly, or maybe it could be in networking or sales, but speak with clarity. Um, I have a range of speakers and seminars that are booked by my corporate clients, Um, and there's lots of different things opening. We're looking at other opportunities as well, kind of like maybe networking or or meetups kind of thing. Um, but yeah, forging people is is essentially about, um, people development, but from an emotionally led perspective. So all the things that I champion brought Mm. into that brand.
0: Great stuff. And I'll put some details about that in the show notes. Um, so people can check that out. So, um, as I mentioned, time's running out. So we need to sort of, um, a bit. Um, time flies by, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: yeah. But um,
0: what can we leave people with? Three three top tips that we can take away today that will help us when we're feeling anxious, getting into that anxious okay. state. Um, what would they be?
1: So the three uh, top tips would be: uh, number one is to schedule recovery. If you are doing something which is physically or mentally or emotionally draining, then make sure you schedule and diarize recovery because the, the upside is that um, you will perform higher and consistently for longer uh, than if you went at 100% and going out after six weeks. So it's all about scheduling recovery, knowing what you love to do, what makes you, your, kind of your heart sing, what, what is really good for your soul. And again, that's a good conversation to have with yourself if you don't know these things. Second tip is mindset, As what I was talking about the testo example. Whatever you're doing, even if it's something you don't want to do, go in with a positive mindset. Look for the opportunities. Um, think about yourself, as even if you're an employee, even if you're a business owner, think about yourself as a personal brand. Protect your personal brand, promote your personal brand, and be authentic to yourself and not be scared of that. And the last tip would be to avoid assumption. Um, assumption is is something that I had to kind of really battle with because especially when you're coming from any form of mental health challenge you you are naturally inclined to feel negatively about a lot of things about everything maybe so the way that i did that the way that i proved myself wrong and actually the process of hacking your brain and the process of proving yourself wrong feels like you're going against the grain but it works was to use a model of journaling so every day i used to write down everything that i was anxious about everything that i was stressed about that one process is fantastic therapy because it gets out of your head and onto paper. Things seem a lot different when it's out of your head. Um, but also, I checked back two weeks later. So bear in mind, day one, uh, GAD, for example, but uh, there was 128 entries on day one of things that I was carrying around that was anxious to stress the bank. When I checked back two weeks later, none of them had happened. So hmm. we carry around this stuff that never happens. So again, it's never assumed. Check back on yourself, and actually, you'll slowly start to disprove yourself. But actually, these negative
0: assumptions just never happened. Fantastic, Nick! Um, you're an inspiration. Um, I knew this was going to be <laughs> one of those uh, those <laughs> those um, conversation interviews that was going to leave me with a lot to think about today, and I'm sure that it was going to be the same with anybody listening in. So, uh, uh, thank you for your time. I know you're busy, and you. um, I hope we will. Enjoyed it. Good, uh, and I hope we meet in person again. We haven't seen each other for a while, but I'm um, hopefully that will be the case. But for now, thank you and
1: see you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Mark. We really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to leave a review. Don't forget to check out The Reluctant Leader Project at www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. Make a note to start, stop, or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. And until next time... Be the best you can be.